Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm your host, certified financial planner, Kevin Zivna, coming to you live like we do every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your own personal financial situation, then this is your forum to discuss. We would love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from. And no matter what I'm talking about, if it's important to you, then it's important to me. We'll get you right on air. 627-7979. Don't forget that area code, 757-627-7979. Wealthwave Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our clients' interests ahead of our own in any business dealing. And that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals, but that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m. And that's to reach out and help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area that we can achieve your measure of financial success. Because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it. And it is a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. We are here to help. you got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone. Give me a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, the economy, uh, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement planning, retirement plans, 401ks, 43bs, IRAs. Roth IRAs, uh, mortgage options, or social security claiming strategies, and estate planning, wills and trusts, all that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance we are here to discuss tonight. 627-7979. Okay, we got through Thanksgiving. It is now, uh, you are now officially authorized to put up Christmas decorations, uh, at least in my worldview. We don't do that before Thanksgiving in our house, but after Thanksgiving, everything is fair game. Christmas music, Christmas lights, tree decorations. Let's get it on. <laughs> uh, and with that means that we're coming to an end of the year. About to put a pin in 2023 and turn the page uh, on this year and look forward to 2024. So... As is customary at this time of year for the, us and this show, uh, we've come with bearing some gifts, some tips that uh, you can use to hopefully enhance your financial situation before year end. So we've got some smart financial planning moves to make before December 31st. And yeah, sure, a lot of these are tax related, um, but tax planning does not happen well at the end of the year. It might happen out of necessity, 
<laughs> it, it might, might happen uh, because of uh, procrastination, but really good tax planning is year-round. And you, you start planning for, your, for um, the 2024 tax year now or in January and February, where you can make thoughtful, um, appropriate financial moves um, that can benefit benefit you throughout the course of the year without waiting to the year end where your options start to get limited. But regardless, we've got some things for you to think about tonight, and maybe some of these will help enhance your financial situation before the year is out. So first of all, um, as it relates to some asset, your assets and your debts. So in your investment accounts, in your taxable investment accounts, what we would call a regular brokerage accounts. So these are not your IRAs, not Roth IRAs, not your 401k plan, not your TSP or your 457 or your 403b. Those are all tax-sheltered accounts. But if you have investments maybe directly with a mutual fund company like uh, Vanguard or T. Rowe Price or Fidelity or something like that, um, if this is a regular brokerage type of account or a taxable mutual fund account, then uh, do you have any unrealized investment losses in these taxable accounts? So if so, you might consider realizing those losses to offset any gains for this tax year and or write off up to $3,000 against ordinary income. So you you do is you, you sell the investment that's in a loss position that books that loss. You've realized that loss. You'll get a tax form at the end of the year that says that uh, you have this loss, and that loss can be used to offset gain and a little bit, $3,000 of ordinary income each year. Now, if the loss is bigger than $3,000, you get to keep, if it's $12,000, you get to use $3,000 against ordinary income. Uh, for the next four years until it's all used up. However, having said all that, uh, generally speaking, just because you have a an investment in a lost position is no reason to go ahead and realize it just for tax purposes. Because sometimes, many times, um, you can get caught um, holding the bag, and you've sold uh, your investment at a loss position, uh, say it's an exchange trade fund, ETF, mutual fund, whatever, it, before you buy back in, and you cannot buy back in without um, triggering the wash sale rule for at least 30 days, uh, sometimes the investment can improve in value, and sometimes substantially. So, so while you can uh, selectively sell um, investments that are in a lost position, uh, do so primarily because you generally want to get rid of that investment or maybe rebalance your portfolio. Or it's part of a more thoughtful, um, uh, high-level investment management strategy instead of just trying to recognize a tax loss. But it is an option, so something to consider. How about, uh, do you have any investments in taxable accounts that are subject to end-of-year capital gains distributions? This is primarily mutual funds. Um, a mutual fund is a basket, and inside that mutual fund basket is typically anywhere between as low as maybe 25 individual securities, sometimes upward of over 1,000 individual securities in that one 
basket. And so let's say we're talking about a stock mutual fund. So it's made up of stocks of publicly traded companies. Those publicly traded companies uh, spin off, they merge, they uh, pay dividends. Um, that activity that happens in the mutual fund basket has to be paid out at least once a year. Some mutual funds pay it out quarterly, a rare few pay out monthly. Bond mutual funds typically pay out monthly, but stock mutual funds, um, that's rare, but quarterly, we do see that sometimes. Um, but anyway, at least once a year, they have to distribute the capital gains activity that occurred in that basket by the active uh, manager who manages that mutual fund. And so when they... Uh, when those capital gains get distributed, that is a taxable event. And as long as you hold the fund on the day that is that the capital gains are distributed, that is a taxable event. So sometimes if you know that's coming, and in our world, and, and we have relationships with the mutual fund companies, they are telling us in advance, typically a, a month or so in advance, we're starting to get activity now. They're telling us approximately what their mutual, their capital gains distributions will be and approximately what date they're going to pay out those capital gains. So sometimes those can be avoided by selling the fund before the distributions are paid out. Now, if the fund is in a gain position, then you're still going to pay capital gains tax on the sale, but you can avoid the capital gain distribution. And so you got to weigh the pros and cons on that. But just know that capital gains distributions are coming up here soon. Probably going to, uh, unlike 2022, uh, we'll probably see higher capital gains distributions than we did last year. How about, are you subject to taking required minimum distributions? from IRAs, including inherited IRAs? If so, know that you can, in many cases, aggregate the total required minimum distribution from multiple IRAs, and you can take that out of one. So for ease of administration, uh, if you do have to take uh, RMDs or required minimum distribution this year, you don't have to take a specific amount out of each IRA uh, if you have multiple IRAs. And generally speaking, you should not have multiple types of IRAs of the same type. So you should not have multiple traditional IRAs. You should not have multiple Roth IRAs. Those can be consolidated into one. But we run into cases where plenty of people do have that condition. So if that describes you, just know that you don't have to take your RMD pro rata out of each one. You can, can add them all up, take a total amount from just one of the IRAs, and that counts. Now, you can't do that with inherited IRAs, but you can do that with traditional IRAs. And then um, also, oh, you cannot do that also from uh, 401k plans or most other company-sponsored retirement plans. So if you've retired but you still have your, say, your 401k account at your old employer, uh, you have not rolled it out of the 401k plan into an IRA, then that uh, third-party administrator that handles the uh, mechanics of the 401k plan 
Uh, you cannot aggregate multiple 401k plans. Uh, you have to, you do then have to take out a pro rata amount of the required minimum distribution at each 401k provider because those third-party administrators don't know what else you got going on in your life. And so to make sure they comply with tax law, they're going to kick out their portion um, and make sure that gets done right because if it doesn't, the penalty for not doing so is steep. All right, I'm going to pause right here, take a short break. If you want to jump in on conversation, give me a call on the studio line, 627-7979. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on News Talk 790 WNIS. Dollars in Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm your host, certified financial planner Kevin Zivna, president of Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. All right, tonight we're talking about smart financial planning moves to make before year end. Let's jump into some of the tax moves that you still have time to make, probably about another month or so. Some of these even extend into the next tax year as well, up to the tax filing deadline. So in most cases, April 15th. But regardless, you don't want to dally. Um, time is of the essence. If you want to take advantage of some of these tax moves, before year end. So, do you expect your income to increase in the future? Well, for most of us, uh, our, our career trajectory is such that, yes, in general, each year we probably are going to make a little bit more than we did the year before. And if we have a good, long, um, successful career, then then we're going to be making a fair amount of money in the late stages of our career. So if that describes your current condition, consider making Roth IRA and Roth 401k contributions. Also, might be a good time to make Roth conversions under very strict, unique circumstances that I won't go into tonight. But uh, and if eligible, you might be uh, you might want to consider electing the Roth employer matching contributions. Not all employers offer that, but some do a Roth employer matching contribution. And so the theory is you want to you want to take your tax break when it's most valuable, right? So in let's say in a hypothetical, you're in your twenties or in your thirties. You're relatively new to the workforce. You're relatively new in your career. You, you are making, uh, let's say, entry-level wages, the lowest portion, uh, lowest uh, wages that you might see in your career. That's the time to make Roth contributions. Now, you get no tax break on the contributions into the Roth, but you enjoy a lifetime of tax-free growth on the investments in the Roth, and then when you take money out of the Roth, typically at retirement, it all comes out 
tax-free. And if you do your financial planning well over your lifetime, then as you age, as your income increases, as you continue to save and invest wisely, then your income through the years is naturally going to increase, and it's going to push you into higher tax brackets. So what a great time to then withdraw tax-free money out of a Roth when, say, you might be in, the, in retirement in the 32 or 35% tax bracket. And if you're early on in your career and your income is relatively low today, then you might only be in your 12 or 22% tax bracket. So forego the tax deduction today, put it in the Roth, get your tax break later in life when ostensibly your income will be higher and you'll be in a higher tax bracket. And that, and, and then when you do the math on all that, uh, it really um, generates a lot of net worth over your lifetime by being smart about when to make Roth contributions. Okay, also, if offered by your employer plan, consider making after-tax 401k contributions if you think your income is going to be higher in the future. Reason, and you get no tax break for after-tax contributions to your 401k if your employer allows it. Not all do. But if they do, the, the, the strategy here is the after-tax 401k contributions can eventually be rolled over to a Roth, Roth IRA. So if you don't have a Roth 401k, you, can make, you may be able to make after-tax Roth 401k contributions and then convert that over to a Roth later on. Also, if your income limits prevent you from qualifying for Roth IRA contributions, the after-tax contributions to 401k may let you end run that and sort of get, get money into a Roth that you otherwise wouldn't qualify for. Now, you take the money after-tax contributions in the 401k, you um, roll them over into a Roth. You can roll over the contributions, but you can't roll over the earnings portion of the uh, after-tax 401k contributions. The earnings on those contributions, that, uh, that has to be, if you want to keep it in a tax-protected wrapper, that gets rolled over into a traditional IRA. And that's a non-taxable event when that occurs, but when the money comes out of the traditional IRA, then it becomes taxable. But uh, a little bit more sophisticated, clever way of working the tax code to your advantage. Obviously, that's a little bit more complex. Um, you better know what you're doing when you make those transactions, work with a good custodian who can guide you through it, or of course, a good financial advisor who's done this before. Uh, also, if you are age 59 and a half or over, you might want to consider accelerating traditional IRA withdrawals to fill up lower tax brackets. If you're not working or you're not earning much ordinary income. So at 59 and a half, you can start taking withdrawals out of uh, IRAs without penalty, but out of a traditional IRA, they will come out uh, subject to ordinary income tax. So while you're working, while you're, if you're in your peak earning years, forget about this. You do not want to do this. But let's say you retire early, hypothetically, at age 60. Okay, Now your ordinary income has gone down to zero. 
that may be a great time to, to, to start purposely taking out large portions of your traditional IRA because um, they will come out at lower income tax rates than if you were currently working. And for those of you who have large balances in traditional IRAs that will eventually be subject to required minimum distributions in your 70s and force sometimes you know, tens of thousands, sometimes over $100,000 a year of, of required minimum distributions subject to tax, if you get it out earlier at a lower tax rate, you can lower your overall tax bill. All right, got to take a short break here for the news. Going to be right back. Give me a call on studio line, 627-7979. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on News Talk 790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm your host, certified financial planner Kevin Zibna, president of Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the dialog boxes there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use the name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Or if you have some uh, particular nuanced questions, you want to speak to a live human being, we got those too. Give us a call at the office, 757-456-2200. Want to remind everybody, our next show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, December 12th at 6 p.m. as usual. But if you can't catch us live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month, get this show as a podcast. Search for Dollars in Common Sense Wherever you get your podcast, download us, take us with you wherever you go, and listen at your convenience. For those of you into social media, we are on Facebook and LinkedIn. Search for dollars. Uh, search for Wealthway Financial Advisors on Facebook or LinkedIn. Hit that uh, like or follow button, and then usually once a week we put up a financial planning-oriented post to keep you engaged and interested in the financial planning process. Okay, tonight we're talking about smart financial planning moves to make before the year end. We're running out of time here. We're at the end of November. We're looking down the barrel of 2023, getting ready to turn the page. Here's some moves that you can make before year end that might uh, enhance your overall financial situation. Before the break, I was talking about um, some tax planning moves that you could make to reduce your overall tax bill if you expect your income to increase in the future, which, generally speaking, most of us are on that trajectory. Start out young, uh, make entry-level wages, uh, work your way up. So in your early years of your career, 
probably a good chance, uh, good opportunity to take advantage of Roth IRA type of investment vehicles. Now, how about the opposite of that? What if you expect your in- income to decrease in the future? What do you do then? Well, usually this applies most directly to people approaching retirement. You're in your 60s, maybe early 70s, peak earning years, step off the uh, treadmill into retirement, your earned income, your income, taxable income reduces substantially. So what would you do in that type of circumstance? Well, consider strategies to minimize your tax liability now, such as traditional IRAs and 401k contributions instead of contributions to Roth. Remember what I said before the break, you want to get that uh, tax break, the, the IRA contribution tax break, wherever the uh, um, the tax rates are most favorable to you. So if you are uh, in the higher tax brackets because you were in your higher income earning years, then that is when you want to forego the Roth because you don't get a tax break for contributions to that. You do want to take advantage of traditional IRA contributions and Uh, traditional 401k contributions. That money comes out of your paycheck pre-tax. So you don't pay tax. You get a tax deduction on the money that goes into your 401k plan. Or this goes for your TSP, the 403b, the 457, all the other company-sponsored retirement plans, Um, simple IRA. Uh, Those go, uh, your contributions you make directly from payroll deduction, you get a tax break for. So when you're in your higher earning years, years, that's when you want to take advantage of those types of vehicles. And then after you retire, so again, a little bit uh, on tax brackets. Let's say you were way up there in the uh, 32% tax bracket, federal tax bracket, that is. Um, and then your, your income drops down to just Social Security level. That might drop you down to 12 into the 12% bracket. Now you want to take start taking money out at 12%. You were getting a tax break at 32. Now you take it out at 12. You win, the government loses. Huh? Huh? Just following the rules. Being smart about which type of tax vehicle to take advantage of. Okay, so if you expect your income to decrease in the future, like most people as they approach retirement, take advantage of those company-sponsored retirement plans. Um, They'll set you up um, for a good net worth boost later on in life. Okay, how about do you have any capital losses for this year or carry forwards from prior years? So like I said earlier, if you have some uh, capital losses in taxable investment accounts, you can use those to offset capital gains. Uh, in the same year, capital losses can be carried forward until they're all used up. But don't take capital losses just to reduce your tax bill. We don't want the tax tail to wag the investment dog. Uh, you can get some short-term benefit, but usually it's to the long-term detriment of the overall investment portfolio and to your overall net worth. So that has to be done very methodically and very carefully, okay? How about, how about are you charitably inclined, okay? 
here's some good tax strategies you can take advantage of if you're going to give to charity anyway. So consider exploring tax-efficient funding strategies, such as gifting appreciated securities or making qualified charitable donations. So those are two of our probably most favored strategies that we use in our practice. One, gifting appreciated securities. So guess what? You don't have to give cash to charities. They will take your mutual funds. They will take your exchange-traded funds. They will take your shares of Apple or Procter & Gamble or Amazon. They will take most, most, not all, but just certain your larger ones, uh, and even churches and, and community-based um, charities can accept shares, appreciated shares of stock or mutual funds or ETFs as a form of donation. The advantage to you is, uh, to the giver, is if there's an unrealized capital gain, which means an appreciation in value of that stock or, or mutual fund, if you don't sell it, you never incur a capital gain. So by gifting directly the shares to a charity and let the charity sell the appreciated shares of stock, they don't pay a tax on it either because they're a charity. So when you have a low cost basis, appreciated gain in the stock, instead of selling the stock or mutual fund, to create cash to then give to the charity, that's tax inefficient because you have to pay capital gains tax on the sale, which is going to cost you money, and then you give something to charity and maybe you get you know, a tax deduction for doing it, but that really depends on uh, the exemption limits as well. So donate appreciated shares. You never have to incur that capital gain, and you get to deduct if, well, if your tax works out right, but the entire value of the of the investments that you transfer to the to the charity, that you get to deduct the um, total amount on the day that it's granted to the charity. So a very tax efficient way of donating to charities, um, and like I said, more and more of them are are set up to do this. It's not really that exotic, but you always want to check with the charity first. Uh, to see if it will work. The other one is uh, making a qualified charitable donation. Now, this has to be done from an IRA, and you have to be 70 or a ha and a half or older in order to do that. Um, but this is a great way for people who have to take required minimum distributions who maybe don't need the required minimum distribution. So the government's going to force you to take money out of your IRAs, uh, at some point in your 70s, uh, that that age is shifting each year. But if you have to take it out anyway, it's going to. So if you have to take it out, it's going to be subject to ordinary income tax, unless you donate all or a portion of it directly to a charity, and that way it never shows up as ordinary income. So it's never taxable. And that's a more tax-efficient strategy than taking the money out, paying ordinary income tax, then writing a check to the charity, and maybe the amount you contribute is tax-deductible. So 
directly uh, donating uh, money from your IRA, from your traditional IRA that ordinarily would be subject to ordinary income tax can be avoided by doing qualified charitable donations. In, uh, in our practice, we have special checkbooks that we give to our clients that they write checks right out of their IRAs to the charities, and so it gets properly recorded. And when you do your taxes, uh, there's a little bit of additional administration involved. Uh, you do have to make sure you keep those uh, those check receipts um, and that when you file your taxes, you make sure that you properly record the fact that all or a portion of the money that came out of your traditional IRA went directly to a charity. And if you do that, it never counts as ordinary income. So very tax-efficient strategy for those who are charitably inclined. And then one more um, for those who give to charity, um, consider maybe bunching the contributions you give. So, uh, you know, the standard deduction now is pretty darn high. Uh, it's $13,850 if you're single. It's $27,700 if you're married filing joint. So that means your charitable contributions and other deductions have to be higher than those limits before it even registers as a, as a deduction. Otherwise, you just take the standard deduction. So, uh, so if, if and, and only about, uh, the last statistic I saw, only about 10% of the population now itemizes their deductions because the standard dedu deductions are so high. So that means most people aren't really getting a tax break for their charitable contributions. However, let's say you give 10% I'm sorry, uh, let's say you give $10,000 to your church every year, okay? So that's under, and you're married filing joint. Um, and so you, uh, you don't, uh, so you're not able to really deduct that because the standard deduction is higher, so you're just going to take that. Well, if you go to church and say, hey, what do you think about this deal? I'm going to give you three years of my uh, donations in one year. And then I'm going to give you nothing for the next two. Would you take that? Most charities and churches will say, absolutely, we will take that. Because they're getting a big chunk of money up front, and it goes into their coffers, and then they know they have it. Instead of maybe each week getting a little bit in dribs and drabs, and then maybe you forget, or maybe you move out of the area, and maybe they don't get as much. So $10,000 a year, you bunch out, you get three, you $30,000 in one year. Now you're over to the standard deduction. Now you have more that you can deduct from your taxes, and you lower your overall tax bill. So consider bunching regular charitable contributions that you make in one tax year, and you might get over that threshold and pay lower taxes in that year. All right, going to pause here, take another short break. Be right back after these messages. 627-7979. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on News Talk 790 WNIS. Wealthway Financial Advisors, planning for life. 
and welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna, president of Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to that contact page, put your name and address in there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is to just send you the information that you request. If you want to give us a call at the office, talk to a live human being, 456-2200. Well, I can tell that uh, I'm going to have plenty of material here. I'm not going to get to it all tonight. So this might be ver- uh, uh, volume one of year-end plan of smart financial planning moves to make before year-end. And maybe next show, which will be Tuesday, December 12th at 6 p.m., Maybe that would be volume two of smart financial planning moves to make before year end. Because there are a fair number of things you can do from a tax standpoint, from a uh, asset standpoint, from a cash flow standpoint, from an income standpoint, uh, to try to set you up for uh, financial success going forward. Uh, just uh, another note on how to connect with us if you are... Uh, if you can't catch us live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month, then uh, get the show as a podcast. Search for Dollars in Common Sense wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts and iTunes Podcasts as well. So, all right. Some more uh, financial planning steps that you can take before year end. Okay. This doesn't apply to too many people here in Hampton Roads, but I think I'll throw it out there anyway. Anyway, uh, Will you be receiving any significant windfalls that could impact your tax liability, such as restricted stock units vesting, stock options, or maybe a large bonus at the end of the year? So if you are, if you're expecting this type of activity, then one of, in most cases, then even in a bonus, even a straight paid out salary bonus, um, tax withholding is not typically set up sufficiently to accommodate the value of what you're receiving. So restricted stock units, stock options, uh, usually there's no withholding set up on that at all depending on the type of transaction. The bonus, you probably have your regular withholding set up for your paycheck, but then you get a big lump sum, and it turns out that the percentage you have withheld is not really enough to cover the entire federal and state tax bill. So what happens in these types of transactions is people get surprised with a really big tax bill uh, at the end of the year. So something to, number one, be mindful of. Number two, Put away money uh, to help pay your tax bill if this applies to you. And or three, set up withholding or proper withholding uh, on those uh, vehicles where you can if your company will allow it. Or four, you might need to make quarterly estimated uh, tax payments or at least the fourth quarter 
quarterly estimated tax payments. Uh, if you get a surprise um, stock option or stock grant or um, bonus. So if you pay a quarterly estimated tax, then you don't have to pay a big tax bill when you file your taxes. Sometimes there can be a small penalty involved if you don't pay the quarterly estimated tax. So just something to keep on your radar. Okay. How about some estate planning issues before the year ends? Any changes to your family? Family situation? Marriage? Second marriage? Divorce? Second divorce? <laughs> Any heirs come into or out of your life that you would either like to inherit <laughs> or disinherit? Uh, have you bought or sold any assets this year that were part of your estate plan that are now no longer part of your estate plan? Land that you have in western part of the state, vacation home, something like that that you, you know, had in your will or trust um, now is no longer there. Uh, time for an update, time for a refresh, time to take a, a look at any of that activity through the year. And if it's been meaningful enough, then we always recommend that you consult with a proper estate planning attorney to get that uh, to get your documents brought up to speed as well. Uh, how about any gifts that still need to be made this year? You know, any one of us can gift any other one of us up to $17,000 this year without any tax implications to either the giver or the receiver. Well, Merry Christmas to me. So $17,000 is the amount you can give to any friend, any family member, uh, any relative that you want, no tax implications. And if you are a couple and you want to gift to, say, uh, your children, each person in the couple can gift $17,000 to each child. So that's a total of $34,000 that you could give to one of your children uh, in this tax year without any tax implications. Next year it goes up to $18,000. So we'll be happy to receive even more from mom and dad that year if you're so inclined. All right, that's about all the time we have for tonight. Like I said, I don't didn't get to all my material for smart financial planning moves to make before year end. I will be back at the next show, Tuesday, December 12th at 6 p.m. for Volume 2. Until then, look us up online if you want more information about us. We're Wealthway Financial Advisors, downtown Norfolk certified financial planners. That's all the time we have for tonight. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on News Talk 790. WNIS.